0: Lord, as I bring this word, I, I want your power to manifest itself in and through me. It's only the power of God that can unlock your hearts and your minds as you sit here this morning, and, um, and for you to receive it. And that power that moves is the very power that actually transforms our lives collectively. So even as I preach from the frontier, I'm preaching to myself, never talking down to people. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to us. And I'm trusting God to do something significant uh, in our lives. And so uh, for me this morning, um, I want to preach into something which I hadn't prepared. I had been putting other words together, and in the week I felt the Lord give me this. And so I'm going to title this, Living Differently in a Fallen World. And so I've got a scripture, Romans 12, verses 1 to 2, and we can put that up. So it's very important when we look at the scripture, there are folk that are here for the very first time, and there are folk that maybe you know about Jesus, but don't necessarily have a relationship with Jesus. And I think it's important that as you have joined us, and as we open up our doors to invite the unsaved and those that are yet to be saved, that we need to be mindful that it becomes very difficult for an unsaved person at this point in time to understand What these scriptures mean, because sometimes what happens is the light bulb gets brought in, but hasn't been turned in. Then there's a connection that takes place. Hang on, this thing about Jesus is very real. What happens is let's put the light bulb in, but the light bulb isn't on. Now that it's connected, we switch it on. That's where salvation comes. And we don't know what God will do in this context this morning with those that are visiting and those that we are trusting into the future. But what we do know is as we bring people in, we are presenting them with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ who died for you so that you and I could live for eternity. Good man yeah, Anton this morning. If I don't mind, I just need to, I feel I need to use this story this morning. He lost, he and Elza, they lost a very good friend of theirs a week ago. A lady, 35 years old, died of a heart attack. And I want to say to you this morning, we don't know when that's going to happen to our families and our friends. If you're a saved person, you need to know that saved means that you're right with Jesus. You can only be made right with God through faith and belief in Jesus, that He died for your sins, and He took your sins upon Himself, and that with your faith and belief in Him, And trust in Him, that only He can reconcile you back to the Father, will you be made right with the Father. That when God calls you one day, whatever means that might be by, that you will have peace in your heart, that you will be with Him one day. And I want to say to folk here this morning, do not take for granted, do not take for granted the opportunities that we have to present people with the good news of Jesus Christ, that which can bring them into a place of receiving Jesus and being saved so that one day they will be with us in eternity, worshipping Him and loving Him forever. There is no second chance. And I want to put that out for folk this morning. Because we do, we we, we can very quickly preach a a prosperity and and an easy gospel, which actually I could be holding your hand and quite easily be leading you into hell. My, that, that is my cry this morning. Do not assume that people will not respond to your invites to come to a Sunday meeting or to a comm group. Do not assume that people will not be open, because I'm reminded this morning, as I just fill in the Holy Spirit, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's not even part of my preach. There's a plea going out to us this morning, friends, I think we are running closer and closer in the end times. And, and you know what? Life for some of us is, is running out. Let's make sure that we give all of our friends and all of our families the opportunities, work colleagues, people in the sports fields, wherever you might find yourself, give them the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not your business to change their mind. Let God do that. But give them the opportunity. That's my plea to you this morning. And so... It's in view of God's mercy that you offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is holy and pleasing to the Lord. What that means is when you get saved, you no longer live for yourself. You now belong to Jesus, and your life should be consecrated and and poured out for Him. The one who demonstrated this perfectly for us was Jesus Himself. He offered Himself as a living sacrifice which would be sufficient for you and I to receive mercy, forgiveness for our sins. You, you, you don't need to do anything else. I want to plug something else in there. We do not need to follow the Old Testament system and rituals of Hebrew and Jewish um, 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 stuff that, that they did before Christ came. Christ has come to set us free from all of those things. We now live in a New Testament system where in the Old Testament... Once a year, people would have to come and repent of their stuff, and they would have to bring um, animals and grain and all kinds of stuff, which we don't have to do today. Jesus became that sufficient sacrifice for you and I, that when we fall short, we can immediately come before him and repent and make right. And then can I also say, demonstrate a life that when we have repented and made right, that we actually live like that as well, live accordingly to that. And so we need to know that because of what Jesus did for us, and as a Christ follower, I believe what God is wanting us to do today is to be mindful of the fact that as we live life differently, we need to give ourselves to God and we need to renew our minds daily around what it means to be saved, what it means to be consecrated to Jesus, what it means to serve Him um, wholeheartedly. And daily, we need to be reminding ourselves that Jesus died for you and I we need to renew our minds around this every single day and the nice thing is when we look at what Jesus did he set an example he gave his life he was willing to die so that you and I could live this was an act of worship that was holy and pleasing to God that holiness speaks of that's being set apart and then then living a life that it's it's something of purity and holiness, something that we strive towards. We're not sinless. We should be sinning less, but we strive to live lives that are consecrated to serving the purposes of God and demonstrate something of a change in our character and our nature and who God has called us to be. And so, as I said earlier on, our lives are no longer our own. Our lives have changed since we've come to Christ. There should be a change. If you've made a commitment to follow Jesus, there needs to be a change. I, I, my, my deepest concern, and I've been praying the whole week and saying, God, we do not want false starts. People giving their lives to the Lord, and then, and then suddenly it's like it, it, it doesn't matter, or, or it just hasn't kick, kicked on. And let us not be a people that lives in that place. We want to give ourselves and we want to say, Lord, here I am. Use me, send me, whatever that might look for. And we want to be set apart for your purposes, God. And I want to say to you that when you come to Christ, laying your life down as a living sacrifice is costly. You know, we, 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 we need to see what Jesus did with, with his life. He was 33 when he died. He didn't get married. He didn't have children. He didn't see uh, children growing up having grandchildren. He missed all of those things because he thought you and I were worth more. He was willing to die so that you and I could live if you put your faith and your trust in him. There's a convenience Christianity. And excuse me if I do tighten the lines a little bit this morning for us as a church. But I want to say to you, when we come together. Sunday mornings is not an attachment to our week. This is our lives. When we leave here, this should be part of our lives. Everything else fills in and fits in to our centering ourselves around the things of Jesus. That's the same with com groups. It's the same with other things that we give ourselves to. Outside of a Wednesday and a Sunday, we do life together. It is costly. Because God has set us apart to live differently from the world. And it comes at a price. You will lose friendships. You will be mocked. You will be jeered. You will find yourself in a place where there will be persecution. Can I say to you, if you're not finding that, you're probably not in deep enough. And, and, and I want to paint a picture that following Jesus, the best thing you could give yourself to But it's also the hardest thing you can give yourself to. Because it's funny enough, as that facet of the diamond was spoken of this morning, is exactly what happens. A diamond is fashioned and shaped under pressure. And if you as a Christ follower are avoiding conflict and and the challenges that that, that are going to come across our ways, the storms that we saw last week and the trees that we saw now, if you are wanting to avoid the, the water rushing over you, I want to say to you, you need to be welcoming those things because this is where God moves and He starts to shift and change our lives and He starts to purify us and He starts to make us more like Jesus. It's part of the journey. It is hard, but I want to tell you, it is good and it will be worth it in the end. The Bible says, do not conform to the ways of the world. We all, as we sit here this morning, have lived according to the standards of this world. The way the world thinks, the way that the world does things, then Jesus comes, thank be to God that Jesus breaks into our lives and he radically smashes the way that we think and see things. And, and this is what Paul is writing. He says, That we we as Christ followers need to know at one point our lives were, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have children. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to get a nice car. And I'm going to save for my retirement. I'm going to make sure that this happens and blah, 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 fish based. And then what happens is COVID comes along. And I want to ask you how your plans are now working out. I think God is wise. He used those moments to actually start uprooting things in our lives Because what happens is we don't realize how easily we are so indoctrinated by the Western world and the things of the world. And we actually need to come back to Scripture and say, God, how is my life actually being fashioned and formed? And am I truly focused on what you have called me to? But let me say this, and I want to put in a disclaimer. God is not opposed to you having those things. God is not opposed to you building for your retirement. God is not opposed to you making sure that you put certain things in place. Some will do it better than others, but that must never be your primary concern. What you are giving yourself to, make sure that what you do, you do it with excellence, because wherever you find yourself, that is a testimony to others of what God is doing in your life. But our lives actually should be, Lord, I'm not living for myself. I'm living for you. Does this make sense? All right, so renewing our minds brings us to a place that we need to think differently. This is what God wants us to do as we renew our minds. I need to think differently about how I live my life. Think about what Jesus has done for you, how he's positioned you. Think about what what God expects of you versus how the world lives. And so we think think about things differently. And uh, we need to know that as we live in this space, this is where I believe the transformation actually starts to come in. And uh, God starts to change us from the inside out. And uh, the whole purpose of this is that as we are being transformed, actually what will happen is that we are being made into the likeness of Jesus, which I'm going to touch on a little bit this morning. But you need to know that when you come to Jesus, He's not going to leave you as you are. He is going to want to transform you. He wants to change you. And uh, as I said early on, it will come with a little bit of uprooting, washing over, and and there's hard work that goes with it. I think with, with this whole thing of transforming and renewing our minds, what is God saying to us? How do you see and think differently about things like marriage? Look at what the Western world, look at what the world is doing at the moment and how marriage is being distorted what do we as Christ followers believe? We need to renew our minds daily of what the Bible teaches about what God says about marriage. What about parenting? What does the Bible say about parenting? What does the Bible say about the kind of friendships that we keep? What does the Bible teach us about how we do business? And we need to daily renew our minds, and and, and you actively have to participate and say, this is what God expects of me. This is how I should be living. I want to live this out today. It's choices and decisions that we make that serve the purposes of God. Could I maybe put in another disclaimer there? For those of us who are in business, wonderful. We love you guys. But I want to say to you, use your business for the furthering of God's kingdom. I've been a business guy myself, and I promise you I didn't tithe at one point. And I want to say to you that it, it, it cut me deeply when I got to a place where I needed to start tithing out of my salary. And I realized if I work it out, because you're a business guy, you work it out over 12 months and you think, do you know what I could do with this money? The reality is, God has given you a business. Not everybody's going to get into full-time ministry like someone like myself. You're not always going to have these moments. But God can use you in your business life. Or if you are involved in a business, to serve his purposes there. He puts you there. He allows you to earn an income. And then that income should be, Lord, because I love you, I want to give so that the kingdom of God can advance. Do you know that the gospel had been paid for, I going to say, before you guys, somebody else paid a price so that you and I could sit here today. You don't know. What 20 years from now is going to look like. And some of you, your grandchildren, might be sitting here into the future because of your generosity. By the way, that's not in my notes. (laughs) All right. Okay. So, secondly, we are being made into the likeness of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all who with unveiled faces are all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so one of the things, um, one of the big things about our journey when we become Christ's followers, we are being transformed into His likeness. Say His likeness. We carry the aspects of Jesus's character and His nature in us, because of the Holy Spirit at work in us. That's the heart of God, that you and I would actually be an advert of Jesus working in us and through us to a very, very broken world. And I want to say to folk here, we have got some super nice folk here. We've got very decent folk here, upstanding citizens of Durbanville, tell Grafetain, and the surrounds. We've got wonderful people here, but I want to say to you, being nice and wonderful isn't enough. You can go and read in Acts 10 of the centurion. He did all the right stuff. He gave money. He was kind to the poor, etc. But he needed Jesus. And that's why the gospel was preached to him so that he could receive Jesus and be made right with God. And you see what happens is when you become a Christ follower... God changes you from the inside out. And so what happens is we start to carry aspects of God's character. We carry aspects of His nature. And then the things that some of us are already doing has a greater significance, meaning, and purpose. Because now it's not being done out of the flesh. It's actually being done because your heart has been moved by God. And you want to see Him being pleased. And you want to see others being blessed. And that the kingdom of God advances. The gospel going to the four corners of the earth. That's the heart of God. And so we need this constant transformation to happen in our lives, as I mentioned, which comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting, the prophetic words this morning spoke uprooting, water washing over the rocks, cleaning the, the, the rocks. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing here right now. Every time you and I come together, we sit in a meeting, whether it's a Sunday meeting, a calm group meeting, when we come together or hooking up in a restaurant, the Holy Spirit is at work. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. What is happening? The Holy Spirit is constantly washing over us. Look at your life. Think about this now. I want to ask you, what were you like a year ago? Think about that. What were you like a year ago? Some of us, when we look at it, you ask yourself, what were you like as a husband? What were you like as a wife? What were you like as as parents? What are the kids like? How are their lives being changed? That's how we know that the kingdom of God is at work in us because we're constantly being washed over by the Lord. Through the word, through our togetherness, that's why these moments are so, so important for us. And I want to say to you that transformation is a process. It's not a one-off event. We need to think like this daily. Be mindful of it. It's a process. Because otherwise, some of us, if you're like me, you'll end up getting quite depressed when you think you, sh- you should be a lot further on than what you are now. But we daily need to live in a space of saying, thank you, God, for the processes. I think if God had to take you and I and work with us the way that, that we would want Him to work with us, I don't know if we would survive the operation Thank you, Lord, for your processes. And this will help us overcome shame, guilt, and condemnation. He's gentle, he's loving, and he's kind. His kindness leads us to repentance. His kindness brings us to a place of humility. And his kindness brings us to a place that we realize how much we need him. What a beautiful set of words this morning as we're saying that. Thirdly, You need to renew your mind. God has given us an inheritance, and I want to say that it's something that is out of this world. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So you know what? Not many of us sitting here this morning are guaranteed an earthly inheritance. Somehow, someway, some people, they get the blessings. I mean, I think of some of the most wealthiest people in our country. There's always something passed on from one generation to the next. But not, not all of us are going to find ourselves in that boat. Um, you know what? Uh, for, for me, I think what is important is And I said it earlier on, is that we do not live in a space that we focus on making sure, A, that we can retire well, or B, that we can leave something for our children. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I want to ask you, how big is that desire in your heart versus having this in your mind? Actually, what God has installed for me is out of this world. There's a far greater inheritance that I will enjoy versus what I think I can enjoy on earth. Hear my heart in this thing. I'm, I'm being challenged and stirred in this area as well. Is, is my security, am I living for my security this side of eternity? If, if I am, I want to say, I think I'm on shaky ground. I think I'm on shaky ground. I don't think there's anything wrong with building towards that, but that should never be your primary focus. Lord, I want to make sure I think the word that was was brought in the stewardship time, that stewardship preaching and teaching is a three-minute, four-minute thing that puts a dart in the heart of the importance of our giving. Let your treasure be there, not here. We're paying it forward with what God wants to do with us. Does this make sense? Great. Thank you very much for that. Because I know what happens when we get into these moments. Everybody else switches off, but someone got it here this morning. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, with that, that's why you need to know that Jesus has given us an inheritance. That's why when we preach here, we want to make sure that those folk that are invited and are visiting us, we, we appreciate the, the response to the invite. But we want us as a congregation to always know this, that we will throw that net out. Because we don't know what God is going to do. Here's a young man, London, sitting here. A few weeks ago, month, month and a half, two months ago, net was thrown, made, his, made a commitment to Jesus. You know what? Change his life forever. And God's at work in his life. And, and, and that's going to be a journey. But that's the way that we want to live, giving people the opportunity to respond to the gospel. All right. Fourthly, I want to touch on what Paul says here, and I want to plead with you for change this morning, as Paul did, And as one of the leaders in our context here, my role, the role of us as elders, our com group leaders, one of the things that we do is we keep an eye out for you as the sheep. Remember, we are sheep as well, okay? But our job is to look out for you. When I Preach into this context. I never want to use the pulpit to get an even score with anybody, and I really hope people don't ever think that that's what we do from here. But our job is to preach into the context of what we're experiencing and seeing what is happening in our midst, because this is the field that we've got to care for. So when word goes out and a word is brought into your context and it craps you a bit, you know what? Then you go and see Andre and Gunther. Don't come to me with it. All right. Sometimes God, what He does is, when the Word goes out, He gets into you and He turns you upside down. He crups you a little bit. For those who are not Afrikaans, it means He scratches you a bit. And you know, if you've got a little sore, you keep scratching it, what will happen is it slowly starts to get a little bit more painful and it opens up. And, that, and that's what God does sometimes with us. He will open up things in our lives so that we can actually make some of the adjustments that need to be made. And so... We will preach into this context, constantly being mindful of what is happening in our midst. And um, I want you to know that this morning, that even as you're sitting here, you might feel sure there's a couple of things this guy said from the pulpit. I'm not so sure. I'm comfortable with that. That's okay. I didn't want to preach a comfortable message this morning because for some of us, I don't want to hold your hand and lead you to hell. And I'll say that a few times. We want to be convicted by the Holy Spirit of things that we collectively need to change. Why? Because we want to be a church that, firstly, is totally committed to the things of the Lord, and secondly, that we're totally committed to helping each other make sure that we fulfill the plans and purposes of the Lord. All right. And and that's the heart here. And so, um, I, I, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit already this morning is convicting you of change. Um, And then also with that, that the Holy Spirit will be moving your hearts to say, Oh, I need to make a change this morning. So, one of the things that we do really encourage here is accountable relationships. And I want to encourage us, if we're going to walk into the fullness of what God has for us, make sure that you renew your mind that it's important for me to be rooted in the church And make sure that I'm loving the church, but also make sure that I am in accountable relationships because I believe that people will be looking out for me so I can grow and make sure that I fulfill the plans and purposes of God for my life. In fact, could I even go as far as to say, if you're not in an accountable relationship, please contact your comm group leader and say, man, I need you to speak openly into my life. Not because that that comm group leader is anything specific or even with the elders or deacons, but connect with them. And say, I want to grow. I don't want to be the same person I was six months ago or a year ago. I want to be open. And if you hear things that don't necessarily go according to the tune that you like singing, don't don't get personal with them. Just maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe God is speaking to you. And, And be open for that. Our hearts are to see every single one of you flourish and grow. So Paul goes on. And this is the plea, do not live according to the world's standards. I'm going to read the scripture, 2 Corinthians 10:2. It says, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of the world. So a good question you can ask yourself this morning as we're processing and renewing our minds and not conforming to the ways of the world. Ask yourself this, Is am I living for the things of the world, i.e. myself, my interests, or am I living for the things of the Lord? I want to put this out there. When you ask that question, don't be all super spiritual and answer the question like you would like it to be. I'm asking you to ask the question, are you or aren't you living according to the standards of the world? And are you or aren't you living according to that which God has called of you and I? And we need to be ruthless with this because it 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 really will help us grow and fulfill the things that God has actually planned and purposed for our lives. If you actually read further on in this particular chapter, in chapter um, in, in chapter 10, verses 2, and it goes on, it speaks of that we have weapons that God has given us that are no that, that are that are different to this world. And what is what is this all about? Is that there are principalities and powers that are at work. Do you know that Satan wants to destroy those things? Do do you know that Satan wants to destroy this work as we sit here this morning? He doesn't want this work to flourish. That scripture in 2 Corinthians 10 reminds us that actually we are able to combat the work of Satan because God has given us weapons that Satan cannot handle. He's given us a powerful weapon, a powerful weapon of prayer. Where there are issues, where there are challenges, we can bring all of those things back into obedience with Jesus Christ. That's why we need to renew our thinking and the way that we live our lives. And is it lining up with what we see in Scripture? And as I'm starting to wind down here, 1 John 2 verses 15 to 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love the Father. The love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the father but from the world the world and its desires pass away but whoever does the will of god lives forever once again scripture points out to us that we are a corrupt being as a people we are sinful beings that, that have been saved by jesus and we are in essence we're going from glory to glory and 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 we need to be mindful of the fact that our flesh will always Try and satisfy itself. If you listen to what Proverbs thirty fifteen says, it says the leech has two daughters. Give, give, they cry. What is uh, what, what is happening with us? Our flesh is always wanting to take. Give me, give me, give me. What can I get out of this? Near your mind, God has called you into a space where He's saying, "I want you." Firstly, to realize what has been given to you, and that which has been given to you, freely give to others, and you go and serve the purposes of God. Your being part of a local church is not what you can get, it's what can you bring. How can I serve you, God? That's why when we come together on a Sunday, it's beautiful to see the gifts coming up and sharing. When we go to a con group, are we going there to just fill the gap or are we going to participate, to grow? And are you in a space where you realize that God can use you to change someone else's life? Renew your thinking, change your mind, change your attitude, change your stance on these things because it's short and then there'll be a time when God calls us home. You could impact someone's life significantly by you positioning yourself for the kingdom of God and those that God has placed around you. Live and think like a transformed believer. Ephesians 4 22 to 24 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of our mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What this is speaking of here is that we are called to think right about moral and ethical issues. When God transforms our lives, this is the way we should be living. We are called to live holy lives, set apart for God and His purposes, and daily we activate and purposefully live like Jesus intended us to. And as I end, take a moment to reflect and make changes. Ephesians 5, verses five fifteen to 18 says, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Perhaps this morning, as you're sitting here, you have been convicted by the Holy Spirit that we're needing to push deeper into the things of God, ridding ourselves of living according to the standards of this world. We can only do this by the help of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this in your own strength, because that will just be works of the flesh. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. He highlights things in our lives that are needing to be made right with God and with others. And when we realize that he convicts us, we need to repent. And that repentance means this morning as you're sitting here, perhaps you're living your life where you've been living for yourself. Repentance is about changing your mind. This is what happens is I'm going down a road. I'm, I'm, I'm a safe person. I want to go and I want to serve the purposes of God. But what happens is other things in life also take me off course. And God is calling you to a place of, of repenting. Because what's happening is we're living for ourselves. Repentance means change your heart, change your mind. Take a 180 degrees turn. And then I want to serve you, God. And then it also comes with your actions that reflect repentance. I want to say to us this morning, you cannot continue with sin. If you're battling with alcohol and you've got alcohol issues, you need to understand that you need the help of the Holy Spirit to bring you to a place of saying, Lord, I want to deal with this issue. If you're battling with substance abuse, you need to call out to God and say, God, I don't want to live like this because this does not please you. If you're battling with pornography, if you're battling with anything that has any form of sexual immorality, foul language, whatever those things are, you cannot call yourself a Christian and happily continue living in that stuff. Sorry, if you wanted a gospel of convenience, then you know what? I will be holding your hand and leading you into hell. My deepest concern, and this is the heart of Paul, is that the church needs to live in a manner that is different to the world. And and I'm going to say to you, that's why God has put you and I together. my, 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 My deepest cry is that our hearts would be there for those that are truly lost, our neighbors, our friends, our work colleagues, and all of those people that are not yet saved. But our heart must also be that our brothers and sisters here, are not being tolerated uh, in the sense of that we're tolerating their sin and we're okay with it. You as saints also need to hold each other accountable in this area. So, maybe we need to repent of that this morning. And then also, we need to change our thoughts and our actions. This, ultimately, is what pleases God. And then being filled with the Holy Spirit flows with a love for God a love for people, and that empowers us to live this life and do the work of Jesus in all our areas of influence. This morning, I want to ask you, as I've shared and I've preached this morning, I can't, you're not doing this for me. But I realize, as I've been preparing this, that even myself, I, I, I realize how easily I can be swayed and moved by the desires and the things of the world that I've got to constantly live in a place of repenting. And maybe for some of us here this morning, if you are a Christ follower, you realize I've lived for myself. I've actually allowed the standards of the world to govern quite a bit of my life. And this morning, I need to repent of that. And I'm going to ask you to make a brave move. And if that is something you can relate to, we're going to give opportunity now now for the unsaved to respond. But if there's anybody here that can say, listen, Ants, I've lived with my feet on the two railway tracks, one in the world and one for the kingdom. Because your heart is for the kingdom, but you have just been so caught up in the things of the world. I feel like God wants to break some of that stuff off us this morning. If that's you, will not you stand? Because I want to pray for Folk here this morning. I'm really trusting God to move powerfully here. I'm standing. Father, I want to thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is powerful. Thank you that you move in our hearts and in our minds. Firstly, Lord, as I've preached this word, I I really am trusting that your heart, a heart of love, your care, your concern, your heart of mercy and kindness has really brought all of us to this place. Lord, this morning as we stand, We want to ask you, Lord, to please forgive us. Have mercy on us, Lord, where we've lived for ourselves. Lord, where we've tried to do this journey with our feet straddled, one in the kingdom, one in the world. And Lord, perhaps this morning, as the word has been preached, we realize we can't live like this anymore because this isn't what pleases you. It's tarnished our testimony. And actually, Lord, this morning, we need to set the record straight. Have mercy on us. Please forgive us, Father. Lord, today, we thank you that you are merciful and kind. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us. You care enough for us that the word would come out and challenge our thinking and our attitudes. Our hearts, God, is truly just to please you. And so this morning, Lord, by the help of your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you help us to take our foot out of the things of the world and, Lord, to be a kingdom-minded people. That, Lord, that our hearts truly truly would be a a sense of being focused on seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And, Father, today as as we trust for the work of your Holy Spirit to come and fill us now anew, Lord, we ask you to give us power to live this life in a manner that will glorify you, in a manner that will honor you. I feel like, Lord, I want to pray that for folk that are standing here this morning, Lord, that their testimony and that this week you'll open doors for them to be able to share of your kindness and your goodness and your mercy and just decisions that they've taken, Lord, to be totally, totally committed to your call that you have for their lives. And so, Lord, where there's any guilt, shame, or condemnation, I break it off the people now yeah. in Jesus Christ. I want to thank you right now, Lord, that you come and you set us free. And Jesus, your word says, when the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ, Lord, would just permeate itself through our lives, and that your people will walk out of this place feeling totally, totally justified, totally set free because of your kindness, your goodness, and your mercy. So this morning, we receive it. I want you to just say, Lord, I receive your mercy and your forgiveness. And I thank you for that, Lord. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.